From the world-famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Hope this finds you well. Hope you're having a great Tuesday wherever you may be and however you may be finding us, whether it be on iTunes, on NewOrleansSaints.com, Pelicans.com, or on the New Orleans Saints app. Stay tuned. That Pelicans app is coming your way. We're hoping for next month. Keep that in mind. Sean Kelly here with you on the Black and Blue Report. Fred Ruckert is in the chair across from me here in Studio B today. The Black and Blue Orchestra, led by D-Dub, as you can hear in the background there. And you. And we got a couple of good guests today. Talk college football. That'll be part of our focus today. Tuesday is a quiet day in the NFL, and uh, the Pelicans are working themselves uh, in a voluntary way this morning on the floor as we tape this program. So we're going to focus on college football and talk Tulane and LSU today. Less east of the Baton Rouge Advocate will join us. He's the daily beat writer of the LSU football team. And Ty Graffinini, the voice of the Tulane Green Wave, also a part of today's program here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, Speaking of the Pelicans, back to them. I know I'm jumping around a little bit. News yesterday, Darius Miller. Tough news for Darius Miller. Stress fracture in his left foot, and Darius will now um, begin his rehab here soon enough and probably be out 8 to 12 weeks is what they're saying. So surely all of training camp, if not maybe even the first month of the regular season too. But Miller, who had kind of uh, taken some steps during uh, summer league, is now out and will wish him the best uh, in other pelicans news uh, later today this uh, this recording is uh, tuesday morning so yeah a little bit afternoon today the pelicans are going to officially finally introduce uh, greg stimsma and anthony morrow to the media uh two of the additions to this upgraded roster for the pelicans so we're going to hope to have a little something from them on tomorrow's black and blue report of course you can find out more about them and hear the festivities later today this tuesday on pelicans.com and uh, we'll bring david wesley into the conversation tomorrow for his uh, usual wednesday visit with us we're going to talk about those new guys and about the hall of fame that happened uh, over the weekend up in massachusetts so that'll be that uh, so again uh, les east and todd graffinini on the program today uh congratulations to rafael nadal who won the uh, u.s open on the men's side yesterday taking out novak djokovic uh, good first three sets, and then and Nadal found a way to just kind of pull away and cruise there in the fourth set. And the reason I bring up tennis, one, one I, I think it's interesting with regard to the U.S. Open, but two, I'm having a hard time right now figuring out what is a worse programming move. Is it the USTA who had the men's U.S. Open final? I mean, the biggest tournament in the tennis world with regard to the United States each year the men's u.s open final late afternoon on a monday and many of the cbs affiliates across the country didn't carry it it got pushed off to sister station b xyz whatever it was uh the thing was over in the early evening i mean not even a prime time not even live in prime time uh for the finals of the u.s open 
Um, that just seemed absolutely ridiculous. Almost as ridiculous, and here's the, the, the competitor in this conversation, as the NFL having a, a football game wrapping up week one of the NFL easily well, af- well after 1 a.m. Eastern time. I mean, can you imagine if you lived in the Eastern time zone and you had this burning desire to watch the Texans and Chargers game last night, how wrecked was your night that you had to stay up that late for an NFL game? I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure I don't know anybody in, in my world, family, friends, and whatnot, that actually, that actually made it to the end of that game last night. Just be honest with yourself just for a moment. If you did, congratulations, you're probably very tired today. Or you work third shift. That's the, just the way it is. But the, I, I couldn't make it. I could not make it. The game was tied, I guess, what was that, early fourth quarter last night. And I literally physically couldn't make it to the end. Enough. No moss. I was out. So I couldn't make it to the end of the NFL weekend. But the Chargers spit the bit last night, blew a huge lead, and the Texans, as a result, win it at the end and are 1-0. So congratulations to them. And then earlier yesterday, we had the uh, kind of the marquee Monday night football game, and that was the return of Robert Griffin III and the debut of the Chip Kelly offense with the Philadelphia Eagles and Michael Vick. Okay, so one went obviously a lot better uh, than the other. So congratulations to Chip Kelly, who's 1-0 in his NFL career. And it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching the Eagles offense last night. It's the spread offense. We've seen this now for a long time in the NFL. It's just a new twist on it. It's the Oregon twist. I was watching the Oregon Ducks last night. Ducks became Eagles and had a few weapons and looked really great in the first half. And RG3 looked like a guy who was coming off of a massive knee injury and hadn't played any preseason football. It got better as the night went, and I'm sure he'll be dynamite in week two. But, you know, poor poor RG3 and anyone else now who has knee surgery because Adrian Peterson has ruined it for everyone. Ruined it. The way he came back from that knee surgery. I mean, Peterson, even again, just this weekend, first touch of the season, touchdown. But, uh, you know, you go back to last year and what he was able to do in his recovery. And so now it seems like unless everybody comes back right away like that, then then they must be they must be soft or something. But Robert Griffin III last night looked like a guy who's still coming back from major knee surgery and had the rust of not having a preseason behind him. So we'll see how that goes. And interestingly enough, as the NFL weekend ended last night, new numbers. Most passing yards in an NFL weekend Ever, ever, 63 touchdown passes were thrown over this first NFL weekend. That's a new record as well. The game, my friends, has changed. You've been watching it happen, but there it is. It is an NFL quarterback-heavy passing league now. And it's interesting. We noted Drew Brees going for over 300 yards again through the air for like the gazillionth time in his career on Sunday against the Falcons. But, you know, I'm starting to wonder. Robert Griffin III also threw over 300 yards passing in a loss last night. The, the, the stat that we've all loved as far as following quarterbacks, 300-yard games, they mean much less now. There's no doubt about that, much less now. Anyway, a couple takes from yesterday. Let's get right into the program. As we mentioned, college football, kind of our major focus today, is, of course, local college football. Uh, Les East from The Advocate to talk to the LSU Tigers shortly. But up next here on the Black and Blue Report, it is Todd Graffinini, the voice of the Tulane Green Wave, and we'll have that for you in just a moment. 
Say that to say this. The new album from Trombone Shorty. Trombone Shorty is back with 11 explosive tracks on his highly anticipated new release. Say that to say this. This album delivers funk, R&B, rock, and soul that's sure to blow you away. Trombone Shorty delivers an incredible remake of the Meters classic, Be My Lady, with all music played by the original Funky Meters. What's up, New Orleans? This is Trombone Shorty. Check out my new record, Say That to Say This, produced by Raphael Sadiq and me in stores now. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get text messages with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans Mobile Alerts. Visit Pelicans.com for information on these great features, plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Hey there, what you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm going to hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. Does your boss know you're listening? If not, turn it up louder. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, this Tuesday edition. Glad you're with us here and glad we get to talk a little college football today. We'll check in with LSU here as we go along today. But first, it's the Tulane Green Wave and the voice of the Green Wave, Ty Graffinini, is our guest, making a, another stop on the program here today. And uh, I understand, uh, Graff, uh, even, even the voice of the Green Wave will pull jury duty, his civic duty, now and again. It is civic duty day, Sean, but I, there's, there's always time for you. So uh, I am here, and uh, let's do this. I appreciate that. One and one so far for the Green Wave. I think I think all were a little surprised at how Saturday went. What are we to take from these first two games for Tulane? Well, the bottom line is this. Uh, Tulane is not in a position uh, to, to go into a ball game where they, they think that they can just go out there and, and throw their helmets on the field, so to speak, and, and, and get a win. Um, I think they got caught a little bit. On Saturday with South Alabama, they saw the, the week before that South Alabama had lost to, to Southern Utah, and uh, the Green Wave had a had a nice win against Jackson State, and and uh, you know it, it was funny because a week ago, uh, Curtis Johnson told the media, he said, "Look, this is going to be a very desperate team in South Alabama. The most the most desperate teams are the ones that are coming off losses, and and uh, we're going to get their best shot." Basically, everything he said came true. The, it's just unfortunate that the team kind of didn't get the message, and uh, you can't spot spot a team a twenty-eight to seven lead and expect to come back and win. Though uh, the Green Wave actually, after getting down by twenty-one points, outscored them thirty-two to thirteen, but uh, fell two points short. All right, so Todd, are they are they better than what we saw on Saturday, or is as I read somewhere 
uh, that Tulane has an extremely long way to go. Which one is more correct, or which which side is is closer to the truth? I think it's pretty much dead even. I I, I don't want to make that a cop out, but uh, we're definitely better than we were last year. But we do have a long way to go. I mean, we're coming off a two win season uh, a year ago, so they got to find the ways to, to, to get victories. And one of the ways that you got to do is you got to play 60 minutes. And again, I know it's a cliche fest here, but, but that's really the case. Uh, you just, you can't afford to take quarters off or, or series off or plays off. You just, you get a, you got to, you got to play hard for 60 minutes. And again, look, Tulane was the better team, uh, the other day. They, they should have won that ball game, but they didn't come out ready to play in South Alabama. It took complete advantage of it. Todd Graffinini with us on the Black and Blue Report. Todd, evaluate Nick Montana as a quarterback through the first two games. He's he's done okay. Uh, I think he was a little shaky the first uh, the the first game. I think he had some jitters. Uh, you know, I think he was trying to to do too much personally. Um, I, in the second game, he really settled down. The problem was is that uh, the defense put him in a position where he basically had to throw every down, and that's really not where you want to be. Uh, I, I thought he threw the ball much better, much better uh, in the second game than he did in the first game. He's going to be okay. He, he, he Again, uh, he's in a new offense. He's still learning his personnel. I think he's going to be just fine. He's just got he's to get a little help, and uh, the running game would help as well. We just haven't been able to run the ball as effectively as Curtis Johnson wants to in the first couple of games. When we last had you on the show, we talked about a truckload of Louisiana kids on this two-lane roster now. Have any really stepped up to show that that Louisiana flavor is going to pay big dividends for Coach CJ? Well, you know, the the one the one kid that really made an impact early on uh, in the first couple of games has been Eric Thomas, the uh, linebacker from John Curtis. He 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 really showed something uh, in that first game, especially. And you know, this not not exactly a Louisiana kid, but Nico Marley, uh, another freshman from South Florida. He has been uh, just fantastic at the linebacker spot, but but Eric Thomas really jumped out uh, in that first game, and 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 you, we got plenty of them. We played thirteen freshmen in that first game as well, so it's still still a relatively young team, and and uh, we'll see some more. Uh, everybody's back healthy and, and ready to go uh, for this uh, game against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, Louisiana Tech. I'm glad you uh, mentioned that because uh, the one thing I love about football, college football, NFL. Each week presents a whole new batch of storylines or challenges, and now for Tulane, it's to go on the road for the first time. And I can't say that Ruston's the easiest place to go for any team. Uh, well, that's a whole other conversation. But this is a, a Louisiana Tech team that has been on the uptick here of late. You know what I mean? No question. Uh, they were they were absolutely loaded last year. They did lose a lot of personnel, but they still have talent. I got a chance to watch the game against NC State. Uh, a couple of weeks ago in the opener, and you know they were they were outmanned. But once the game settled down after the first quarter, they pretty much hung with NC State and Raleigh, and that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, Ruston, as you mentioned, it's not an easy place to to get to. Uh, we're actually staying in Monroe and and, and driving over uh, to Ruston day of the game. Uh, but uh, this is the first time Tulane's been in Ruston since 1905. It has been a very long time. Uh, between road trips, so to speak. The last two times these two teams met was pretty memorable as well for Tulane fans. It, it was the capper on an 11-0 season on Thanksgiving night in 1988 uh, when uh, Tulane won 63-30. to So there's a little history there, but 
and uh, basically all the games we played against them were, were in the early 1900s except for that 1998 game. All right, Graf, you're a good friend. I'm going to ask you not to do what every NFL national analyst does and say that it all comes down to turnovers because that makes me want to throw a chair at the TV. So give me something other than turnovers that's a key to Tulane perhaps winning on the road this weekend. Tulane's got to run the football. Uh, I, I, and I don't know if that's uh, another analyst, but we've got to be able to run the football, control the clock, take some of the pressure off of uh, Nick Montana. Again, I thought Montana did a pretty pretty decent job considering it was 28-7 to before he could blink, and basically the running game uh, was thrown out the window. We had really had to pass to get back into it. Now, I will say this, turnovers did get Tulane back into that ball game as well uh, against South Alabama, but I think running the football is going to be key. It's going to keep Louisiana Tech uh, off the field and uh, take some of the pressure off Montana. That, to me, is going to be the key to the ballgame. Todd Graffinini, voice of the Green Wave, with us on the Black and Blue Report. We appreciate his visit today, uh, talking two-lane football. Uh, Todd, what happens if you get sequestered with jury duty today? That's a good question. <laughs> I, I really haven't gone that far uh, in advance. I'm here. I'm doing my duty. i got to cross that bridge when I get to it because uh, I do have to leave tomorrow uh, with the team. So, this is uh, this is tense stuff here, Sean. I mean, you think it's tense being up in the booth for a big game. This is tense here. Keep the balance of justice, uh, the scales <laughs> equal, will you? Good to talk Thank to you. Thank you, sir. You betcha. Todd Graffinini with us here on the uh, Black and Blue Report. We'll have a lot more today's show coming up after these messages. This is Todd Graves, founder of Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, being the official chicken of the New Orleans Saints. We're more than just fans of the Saints. We're fans of Saints fans. So on game day, we make sure they're reloaded with tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. The best chicken fingers around? We got this. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. The official chicken of your New Orleans Saints. What makes Auctioner Primary Care such a great choice? Is it because we have 38 health centers throughout the region, some with evening and weekend hours available? Or because we accept close to 50 different insurance plans? Could it be because we offer My Auctioner, which gives you and your family secure online access to your health records, test results, prescription renewals, even emails with your doctor? Or that you'll be connected to seven hospitals with 2,500 affiliated physicians who can handle everything from the common to the complex, so you'll never have to wonder if you made the right choice. Actually, what you may like the most is... Yes, we have a location near you. Expertise and convenience. Great reasons to choose an auctioner primary care physician. To find one near you... Visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Hardwood, hardball, and hard knocks. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Our College Football Tuesday continues with Les East of the Advocate, not a bad rouge. He is our guy covering the LSU Tigers. And the Tigers are off to a 2-0 and start, move up in the polls a little bit. And Les East uh, graciously joins us on this Tuesday. How do we find you today, Les? Pretty good? Everything all right? Yeah, everything's going well, Sean. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Kind of like enjoying our uh, college football visits. We, uh, we visited earlier with Todd Graffinini and checked in on the Tulane Green Wave, and now with you with LSU. And, and, and before I guess I get to the Tigers specifically, the word is that Sports Illustrated's article about Oklahoma State football is coming out today or will hit newsstands today. And 
and in an indirect way, it does affect LSU because the uh, the article re- regarding Oklahoma State touches upon Les Miles' time in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Les, do you think there'll be any fallout from Miles from this article, if any, at this point? Well, there could be. It's really hard to tell at this point. Uh, SI is going to kind of uh, let this trickle out over the next few days, so we're not going to have a full picture immediately, but we do know generally that there are allegations that improper benefits uh, were given to Oklahoma State players. While Miles was the head coach there, Miles has... uh, denied that there was any wrongdoing on his watch. So exactly what evidence uh, SI came up with and whether Miles or LSU will have any more specific response remains to be seen. But certainly this is just the beginning of it, and uh, there's going to be a perception issue that Miles and LSU are going to have to deal with uh, as far as what he may or may not have done while he was at Oklahoma State. So this is a, a, a cloud that's gathering over Miles and LSU, and, and I think it's going to continue to build before we have a, a real understanding of exactly what we're dealing with. Leslie, the, the, the article, uh, you know, from what I guess what we're all gathering is that it's going gonna, it's gonna to alle- uh, allege rather academic fraud, uh, sex, drugs, recruiting violations, kind of run the gamut. Uh, I'm not going to say that all of it is true, but you know, it, even if some of it is, it, do you think this is more spe- going to be specifically pointed at Oklahoma State and Les Miles, or is this more rampant in college football and they just they found a way to uncover it at one place? You know, I, judging by the release that SI put out yesterday, it, it sounded as though they wanted to use Oklahoma State as sort of an example of some of the things that go on and in some cases almost have to go on for a, uh, a program such as Oklahoma State to rise as quickly as it did to be among the most powerful in the country. So I think they're trying to put it in a broader context of all of the bad things that, that go on in college football using Oklahoma State as a specific example. I believe they've interviewed uh, 60 or so people uh, somehow connected to the program. So, you know, I, I don't think this is something that's going to be easily dismissed. And uh, it, it's an indictment, certainly, of the Oklahoma State program and a lot of the people who were there. But I think it's also intended to be a, uh, a look in at the, the seedier side of uh, NCAA football as a whole. Yeah, I'd say it's a, it's a lengthy and a kind of a sordid conversation, to say the least. All right, let's move on to the current Tigers at hand here who are now 2-0. and uh, Les, what storylines have stuck with the Tigers uh, through the first two weeks, and which new ones are emerging as we roll into week three? Well, you know, I think probably the first thing that, that comes to mind is Zach, Zach Mettenberger and the passing game. Uh, I just think Mettenberger has been outstanding in, in both of these games. He set a school record Saturday with five touchdown passes against UAB, which is a, a little bit surprising that no LSU quarterback in the history of the school had thrown more than four in a game. Uh, but Mettenberger threw five the other night. He was 16 of 19. He's been decisive. He's been confident. He's been efficient uh, both games. Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, Jarvis Landry have both been outstanding. Beckham, of course, with that uh, highlight run on the the short field goal the other night uh, really had an impact 
so I think that's the thing that jumps out the most. I think there are a couple of things that are still a work in progress. I think uh, trying to incorporate the running game with that newfound uh, passing attack is something that, that they're trying to polish here before they get into SEC play next week. And I think on uh, defense, they're, they're playing an awful lot of young guys, uh, a lot of true freshmen, as well as some other guys who haven't seen the field a lot. And you saw some growing pains in the second quarter when UAB scored 17 points the other night. So they're still trying to figure out uh, exactly which young players they can count on going forward and what the, what the roles are. So I think... Uh, after this week's game against Kent State, when they're able to tinker with it a little more, I think when they play Auburn, uh, you'll, you'll see probably a little bit smaller rotation on defense and, and some more clearly defined roles. So they're, they're still figuring out exactly who they are on defense, but it looks like they're going to be very good once again. You know, UAB this past weekend, Kent State this weekend, and then you jump into the SEC. Les, with, with, with all the young faces you're talking about in that LSU program, it seems like the... Uh, the, the, the changeover in the caliber of opponents is going to be severe. And would one have to worry at this point that the, I guess the contrast is, is, is too, too different at this point as far as getting them ready? Well, it, yeah, certainly they'll be stepping up in class when they go into SEC play, but that, that's generally uh, inevitable once you get done with your pre-conference play. I think the schedule actually laid out pretty well. Once they got by that, that opener against TCU, which was more challenging than most teams have in their first game, then having the, the two uh, smaller programs to play in UAB and Kent State to kind of look at some young players and tinker with some things, I think came at a good time. I think Auburn at home is a good way to ease into SEC play. Uh, you know, Auburn was winless in the conference last year. I think we expect them to be better this year, but not a great team. Gus Malzahn's offense will be a, a challenge for the defense, a nice test, but it's not a game that I think they're in, in great danger of losing. And I think that kind of eases them into the, the, the big SEC matchups. And the first one they have would be the following week at Georgia. So I, I think it's sort of an incremental way of getting into the the SEC schedule. So I, I think it lays out fairly well for them. Les, you mentioned some of the the known commodities about this team. Mettenberger, you know, we talked about the running backs a little bit, and, and, you, did, and you said there was still some development that had to happen. You know, as fans watch the football game this weekend, certainly the scoreboard is going to be lopsided, and that's not going to be much fun to watch. But perhaps maybe Watch something different. Is there a is there a position group or facet that they should watch this weekend and take a real hard look at and find their entertainment in that? What would that be? Well, I think there are a couple of things. I think one that that's not an unknown commodity, but I think you're going to see Jeremy Hill very quickly get back to being one of the focal points of the offense. So I would expect him to get the ball a lot more. And, and how that rotation among the running backs shakes out is something that's going to evolve very quickly now that Hill has been reinstated. But I think on defense, both the linebackers and the secondary are areas where they're looking at a lot of young people. Uh, Tredavious White, a true freshman, got a lot of playing time against UAB in place of Jalen Collins. I think that's a spot they're looking at, the other cornerback spot opposite Jalen Mills. Uh, I was very surprised to see Rayshard Robinson on the field. He's a true freshman. He didn't get cleared by the NCAA academically till 
uh, after school had begun. He had maybe a week of practice before the UAB game, and he was out there, and he was very impressive. So those two young cornerbacks, I think, are worth keeping an eye on. And then the linebackers, they just have six or seven guys, and they run packages that use two, three, and four linebackers. So there are so many roles that the linebackers have to play in these different packages that uh, I think they're, they're still trying to sort that out. And I think Quan Alexander and Lamar Lewis are a couple of sophomores at linebacker who are being groomed for bigger roles. So it will be good to keep an eye on them and see just how they're utilized, particularly when they go to their, their Mustang package that only has two linebackers. That's Les East. He covers the Tigers daily for the Advocate. And, uh, Les, good stuff. Thanks for always getting us ready for uh, LSU Tiger football and getting us up to speed on what's going on in Baton Rouge. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. Anytime. You got it. Les East from the Advocate with us here on the Black and Blue Report. More after this. The offseason for your New Orleans Pelicans has been exciting with all-star Drew Holiday and former Rookie of the Year Tyreek Evans being added to a lineup headlined by Anthony Davis and Ryan Anderson. Now, with the release of half-season and 12-game plans at varying price levels, there truly is a ticket plan for every fan. Packages start as low as $13 per game and feature the best seat locations to see all-star opponents, including the world champion Miami Heat. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP to get your seats today. Hey, New Orleans Saints fans, show your true colors and get in the action with the all-new Black and Gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Play all three seeds. You have to play to win. That's right. Enter your non-winning Black and Gold Saints tickets in our second-chance drawings for a chance to win autographed Saints merchandise or one of four Saints game day prize packages. Next entry deadline is September 3rd. Pick up your Black and Gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Bud Light presents NFL Fan Dilemmas. Should I put these Bud Lights on your tab? Just supposed to get this round. Whoa, interception! But on my rounds, we play better. It's good luck when I buy Jeff's beers. But I don't want to buy Jeff's beers. He wouldn't even give me gum the other day. What a shocking turn of events. Absolutely everything going right. Yep, my tab. It's only weird if it doesn't work. Bud Light. For the NFL fans who do whatever it takes. Here we go. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Bud Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Thanks to the internet, anyone can get a show these days. Thanks again to Les East and Ty Graffinini today for uh, their help on the Black and Blue Report. Always good to catch up with the uh, Tigers and the Greenies. And our thanks to Fred Rucker today, too. He's filling in this week uh, for Producer Dan. Again, uh, Producer Dan honeymooning, as we all know, this week. And so he'll be back next week. Uh, don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Sean Kelly Live, S-E-A-N-K-E-L-L-E-Y, Live. Uh, and you can follow the show, too, on Twitter, at Black Blue Report. We're always taking your questions and comments, suggestions for guests, and whatnot. Uh, tomorrow, David Wesley uh, makes his usual Wednesday stop. David will be here to talk about, well, he'll continue our conversation about the Pelicans, uh, our preview, as we get closer and closer. Media Day is September 30th. Training camp opens October 1. I mean, we are right around the corner on that. Jeremy Davenport tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report. That should be interesting enough. And a whole lot more. So we'll look for you tomorrow afternoon central for the Wednesday edition of the Black Blue Report. Um, later on this week, Jim Henderson, Gene Deckerhoff, and we'll get you back up and geared up for the uh, Saints and Buccaneers this week as well. Hey, a couple things before we go. Uh, on a serious note, today, September 10th, is Suicide Awareness Day. 
Um, so please keep that in mind. Please keep those who may be suffering in some way in your thoughts and prayers on this day. Um, I live in St. Tammany Parish. And uh, you may not know this or not, St. Tammany Parish has the highest suicide rate in the state of Louisiana, and it's not even close. So it doesn't take much to get too far from your own home or your own comfort zone to know that this is a massive problem and people need help. And there are a lot of factors that go into this. So again, Suicide Awareness Day is today. And I know there's a um, a suicide awareness walk, uh, support walk this Saturday the 14th, by the way. So keep that in mind. All right, on a much lighter note, congratulations to the Pittsburgh Pirates who won their 82nd game of the season last night. They have clinched their first winning season in 21 years. (laughs) More congratulations to Pirates fans out there. Um, And I'm still happy that the Pirates are doing well, but not in first place in the NL Central. That still belongs to my beloved St. Louis Cardinals. And on that note, I will leave you today. Quiet day in the NFL. It's full go tomorrow. Maybe the busiest day of the week, and we'll get you started on your preview for Bucks and Saints this weekend. Hope you'll join us and we hope that you have a great rest of your Tuesday wherever you may be. This is the Black and Blue Report. My name is Sean Kelly and we'll say so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 1 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.